Um, all right, so Brandon, I guess I really want to start with a, a question along the lines of, you're, you're a funny guy. You, you think on your feet. You have a mm -hmm. good sense of humor. Help me think of the worst possible interview question that you could be asked. Worst possible interview question? Um, I've gotten one question where someone's asked me, because I'm from South Africa, do they have many golf courses? And has, how long has golf been in the country? And that was from, a, funnily enough, a Kenyan journalist. Kind of try to keep a straight face and you know, yeah, you know, we've had golf for many decades, borderline centuries and you know, this, that. So you, you get a few questions that kind of throw you off your base, but it's actually quite fun because you've got to try and think on your feet, like you say, and come up with a, both a serious and condescending response like the question was. I've heard some tour players, well, we did it. Didn't mm. we try to incorporate a word into the interview? They did that with Jimmy Fallon. I saw that for the players and um, Jimmy got all the boys to putting these words and phrases into questions that were borderline, like pushing the limits of what a human being would say, never mind a professional golfer who gives the most bland and mundane, you know, today was great. I, I hit 18 greens, I hit 14 fairs, I had 27 putts on shot 65, you know. Uh, so it was quite a cool, I enjoy that kind of clip where they kind of filter these sayings that, I mean, let's be honest, watching a post round interview with some golfers is not really necessary. It's kind of the same, copy paste from a few weeks before. So you get some interviews and you get some people that ask you different questions. I mean, every time that we've sat together, you ask me questions that I've never really thought about. And whether that be in the US where ground floor is first floor, like you, we had that debate in, in Dubai for a couple of minutes. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, interviews are only as funny as you make them. So if you get someone that actually asks you some different questions, it makes it a, a little bit more enjoyable. Let's definitely cut to the when we're in Dubai and we're talking about the ground floor first, because that was hilarious. Like I was dying. So like I'll say to them, uh, did you know that your your car keys have actually traveled further than your car? Oh, I like that. Yeah, like you, you can't buy a virgin mirror. Whoa, dude. <laughs> this is like riddle action. Yeah, exactly. So stupid this things is, like that. And they're like, is, in the Buddhist community, they call those um, koans. They're oh, yeah? like unanswerable poems. It's exactly. like, it's like uh, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Or do you know that you never stop clapping? Just the time between claps is longer. Yeah, see, you're good at this. This is good. <laughs> so two questions. One is, um, why do you think we are stuck in the boring post-round interview world? I think, I think there's probably two sides of it. One of it's, it's just easy. Like, you, you kind of been forced, or well not forced, but trained into saying certain responses since you start having any success in the amateur game. Uh, and then I think people just probably maybe just a little bit frightened of almost overexposing themselves and people getting to know them too well because everyone's got this little bit of a persona that they kind of put forward at professional tournaments. You know, you have to be this ultra confident, ultra um, invincible mind monk that can just weather any storm but I mean you, you see interviews with like guys like Kevin Kisner he's like oh you're gonna win this week you know, probably gonna finish in top 30 or why are you here if you're not gonna win because you know 30th still pays pretty well and it's honest honest interviews like that that kind of it gets people more involved because it makes you seem like you're human but I don't think it's for 95% of the guys are not gonna do that they just give that bland mundane answer but I personally will always try and give the most honest answer. There's been rounds where I've shot 72 where it's felt like I've shot 50. 
but there's been rounds where I've shot 67, felt like I shot 85. It's and you got to be honest about that. Like you know, today you shot 71. How do you feel? I feel like I've had the biggest bank heist of 2021 because I was hitting it everywhere. I felt horrible. I had the shakes on the front nine. I thought I probably had four cups of coffee too many this morning. I was still sleeping when I woke up on the seventh tee box. And then the first tee box that I woke up, I absolutely carved it into the hazard, right? And that's that's what people want to hear. And I mean, something that happened to me in that regard is, I mean, at Abu Dhabi, the first tournament of the season, I'm playing great. I'm like four under par, you know, top 20. And I've fatted a wedge shot from 65 yards. But when I say fatted, I've hit it 11 yards in front of me. I've gone, well, that's a new one. I haven't done that before. I've gone on to miss the cut by a couple. And you're going, okay, cool. Well, didn't expect that. You know, I kind of felt like I was perfect, whatever the case would be. And then we've gone on the weekend. We've just absolutely grinded away and hit thousand upon thousand upon thousand of wedge shots trying to get this bad voodoo. And it, it is that. I mean, you know, it's, it's golf. It can take one shot to kill the confidence, but it can give you one shot to, to feel invincible. And the following week, go to Dubai, finish second. I mean, it's, it's a crazy game. But giving that insight, and I wrote for a magazine back in South Africa, and I wrote that this was how I was feeling. I felt like in Dubai, the first time I had a wedge shot from like 60 yards, you get like these flashbacks from comic book era, you know, the dotted polka dots and you're like, oh, last time I did this, I missed the cut. And you get through that. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you bring up the good play in Dubai and not mention the RGC bump. The RGC <laughs> bump. No. <laughs> Listen, uh, the, the RGC interview was probably the first interaction I had with it non-playing professional golfer for the better part of a year in a tournament bubble. I mean, we've had the bubble in Europe and we'll leave that to a different conversation all by itself. Well, but real quick though, by the way, I've experienced the bubble in America. It's not a bubble. <laughs> no, it's, no. it's more like a circle. It's like a hoop. I wouldn't you even, even say it's a hoop. It. You can make it whatever shape you want to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just nothing. The first time I had had dinner outside of a hotel at a golf tournament since COVID started was at concession. Sure. And we went out on Wednesday or Thursday evening and I was like, this feels weird. Yeah. Like I'm playing tournament golf tomorrow and I'm sitting outside with four people around me. It feels like you're about to get a 50,000 euro fine. 100%. And disqualified and suspended. <laughs> but <laughs> instead, you're just following protocol. Exactly. Just following protocol. Just sitting at a table, one table away from where you would normally be sitting. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, what word are we going to try to filter into this interview as many times as possible? Do you want a South African word or do you want to? Yeah, something new. Something I don't know, but we got to figure it out. Something simple or something complicated? I mean, I trust your judgment here. Like I said, you, you've... I think you know where we're at. Yeah. You know what we're trying to do. Well, it's kind of like I said, Marla. Let's speak to the mark look. Well, what? What? <laughs> I said to him, lacquer is good. Lacquer. Yeah, but I said it's a little bit too easy, though. Camille Pert. Whoa, that's too hard. Camille Pert. Lacquer is a little lacquer. easier for me. There you go, yeah, lacquer. So lacquer is good. So how is it? How's your coffee? No, it's lacquer. Lacquer. Yeah, okay. It's lacquer? Lacquer. Okay. There you go. Lacquer. L-A-K-K-E-R. Lacquer. Okay, lacquer. What go. does it mean? Good. What does it come from? It literally just so means good? Go. Yeah, it's just good. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you, sweet? Yeah. How's the coffee, sweet? The thing about lacquer is like, you know, it, it's it's like with, with Jimmy Fallon, the, the word was like elephant. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's, is it a little contrived if we try to... Well, Camille Perth is giraffe in Afrikaans. Oh, you know, I have a joke about a giraffe that I made up myself. You have a joke about a giraffe? Yeah, how did, how did the Camille Path get across the river? It walked. Well, it doesn't really work in your language, I guess, because okay. the, the joke was, how does a giraffe get across the river? Yeah. He made a giraffe. <laughs> I thought that was... <laughs> it doesn't work with Camille Path. No. 
I don't know. Does that also mean raft? Is it is it rhyme? No. What's it's the like, word for raft in, in yeah, Africa? I don't even know. What is raft? Boet, yeah. Boet? Boet. Yeah, it Boat. doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. But oh, moving on. Direct translation of camelpat is camel horse. Camel horse. That's if you want it. And that's a giraffe. That's a special. How do they measure the power of an engine? Is it camel horses or is it a horse? <laughs> that's a good point. Good argument. Any other riddles? So my moon riddle. Okay. There's probably, what, two people that have got it? Uh, okay, wait. Sorry. You, what, 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 is, what is a riddle it's a that riddle. I'm not going to get? If, if you were to get it, I'll be severely impressed. Oh, I'm psyched. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love cool. riddles. Free, free, free coffee, coffee for free, a year? Free coffee for a year. That's like $1,000. Even double two years, it's fine. Whoa. The police are coming. Yeah, even the cops <laughs> are there. So the human race has destroyed planet Earth. We can no longer live here on planet Earth. So we've set up a colony on the moon. However, there is one rule with what you can take to the moon versus what you can't. Okay. The, op the objective of the riddle is to tell me what the rule is, but I'll give you examples. For example, you can take coffee to the moon, but you can't take the cup. Okay. You can take, you can take the roof to the moon, Mm -hmm. You can't take the building. Okay. You can take the floor to the moon. But you can't take the cement. You can take the wall to the moon. But you can't take bricks. You can take wood to the moon. And you can take the tree to the moon. But you can't take the leaves to the moon. Is it a serious thing or is it kind of just a total joke? No, it's serious. Yeah. 100% legit. Um, is it things that grow? No. It's overthinking it already. Already overthinking already it. Already overthinking it. So you could take... I said you could take wood. Yeah, you, can't, you can take the wood to the moon, but you can't take the table. <laughs> okay. You can take... You can take the roof to the moon. You can take the roof to the moon, but you can't take the building. But you can take the walls. You can take coffee to the moon. You can take coffee to the moon, but you can't take the cup. You can take a wheel to the moon, but you can't take the tire. But you can't take the tire the coffee to the moon but you can't take the cup i'm overthinking it already already overthinking it how do i stop overthinking it? i mean that's the secret of <laughs> that's, golf that's the, that's the secret of everything exactly <laughs> you can take glass to the moon i wish i you can take glass to the moon but you can't take a window can you take it can you take a bottle yeah you can take a bottle huh you can't take water though you can take glass and a bottle yes can you take um can you take pants to the moon? No. Can you take uh, sugar to the moon? No. Can you take um, a Q-tip to the moon? Q-tip? No. <laughs> can you take a, uh, a can you take a train to the moon? No. Can you take a uh, a um, uh, it's horrible, huh? Yeah. What else can you take? Slang? No. You got it? He's got it. Tell me, what is it? No, Get the no, GoPro no, on no, no. he's going to do. No, no, oh, no? no, no. Okay. He's got free coffee for I thought two it's, years. it's not has to do the first letter. No. You could take a hoodie to the moon, but you can't take a sweatshirt. Uh, it has to have two letters next to each other that are the same. Moon. Coffee. Is that it? There you go. <laughs> really? There you go. Hoodie, Very. sweatshirt, wood, right. 
So you can only take things that are two of the same letter next to each other. Whoa, dude, I need a nap. That's <laughs> it's very well done. So the only thing is that when you sit with like a group of mates like this and you talk about it, you have to have someone in the room that knows the riddle. Because otherwise they just think you're talking shit with uh, regards to the rules. Right. So you bounce off someone with examples because then they know, okay, well, there's no ways that we could like be like... You go, can take a roof to the moon, but you can't, you can't take, take, take the, building. the building. But you can't take the walls. So you can take the floor, right. but you can't the take walls tiles. Is it's good, huh? Really good. So what, I was impressed you got that, huh? Yeah. I mean, that was... Yeah, wooden contact table. Yeah. Man, you can take the golf ball. You can take the ball, you can take the golf. But you can't take the clubs. Correct. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> exactly. You can take grass, but you can't take the course. You can take the grass, yeah. You can't that's take the interesting. You can, take, you can take tees. You can take but tees. You, but you can't take uh, pegs. pegs. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm so tired now. Um, <laughs> tell me about coffee. You love coffee. What's, why do you love coffee? It tastes good. It doesn't make you feel horrible the next day. As opposed to? <laughs> alcohol. Um, and to be rubbing fair, alcohol. it's probably the most universal thing that tastes nice around the world. Mm. It's, a, it's a good travel companion. Exactly. And 90% of the hotels now will have like an espresso and machine in the hotel. So you, the coffee addiction definitely develops over time on the road. And like 6.30 tea times... There's only one way you're getting through that. <laughs> and it's four shots of espresso and maybe a little bit of pre-workout to get through the front line and that's about it. What's the window of coffee intake for Brandon Stone? Like, what's the minimum? What's the maximum? What's the sweet spot? There's no limits. <laughs> it's just, it's, we've had, like, you know, when you restart in the morning at 6.15, where we want four or five coffees deep. Restart, you mean from a rain delay? Exactly, something You've like got, that. like, six holes to finish up. Exactly. And, I mean, you... You've just finished at seven o'clock the night before. You've got back to the hotel room at eight. You've ordered a room service burger that's got taken 45 minutes to get to. You got to bed by 11. You've woken up at three. To try. So you've got four hours of sleep with you. There's one, there's one substance that's getting you through the day and that's coffee. And the first two cups, don't even they literally taste like flavored milk. So you just need to get a little bit more in you. So will you drink coffee during the round? Uh, if we could get it, probably, but... Yeah, Daniel Links is Daniel Links in St Andrews is the best week of the year because they've got like quarter houses on the golf course and they've got coffee in them. And I mean, listen, Daniel Links is minus five degrees on a good day. Yeah. So every six holes, you go rush in there, get a couple of cups of coffee, and you know, kickstart the old metabolism again, and off you go. He's uh, Brady. He's talking about the Dunhill Links, which is maybe the coolest pro am. That's the week you need to come to. I've been trying to get in, man. It's not the easiest. They're not letting you in. Yeah, I mean, I submitted like a semi-formal request and they were like, nah. Who'd you speak to? I believe someone at the Dunhill Links Society or whatever, you know? Yeah, it'd be cool to talk about the Dunhill Links. Bro, Dunhill Links it's, is... It's the coolest golf tournament of the year. It is, without a doubt, the longest, toughest golfing week that feels like it flashes by in the snap of fingers. It is so cool. I mean... My partners alone, I've played with Paul O'Connell, who was an Irish rugby captain and British and Irish Lions captain for better part of a decade. I've played with Jamie Dornan, who was Fifty Shades of Grey lead actor, which is a definitely different clientele that was walking and spectating with us that day. Uh, I've played golf with gents there that own MLB and NBA teams. Like the one day, I won't tell you who the guy was, but we're busy going around St. Andrews and this guy single comes up behind us and he's like, hey man, do you mind if I join you? 
So I'm like, yeah, perfect. So he's like, so uh, what do you do? So he's like, no, he's in uh, a few bits and bobs, equities, this and that. So I said, oh, would I know any of it? He's like, yeah, yeah. I own the Houston Astros. So I was like, oh, I own a Land Rover Defender. Yeah, I own, <laughs> I own a couple of good riddles. Yeah, I got a few riddles and, and I, a bad joke about a giraffe. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I play golf a little bit every now and then. I mean, the, the fines committee for the Saturday evening function, which was like one of the most relaxed and best bands of evenings, was Paul O'Connell. Uh -huh. He was six foot six, 150, 120 kilos. I don't know what that is in pounds. 210, yeah, 210, 210, 210, 190, so. yeah. Then you had Vladimir Klitschko. Okay. Decent sized human being, heavyweight world boxing champion. And then Skulk Berger Sr., which is a very famous South African rugby player who was six foot nine and 170 kilos, who has the biggest hands on the face of the earth. I remember he grabbed me the one year, his fingers, honest to God, are that long. Okay. That's yeah. That's I that's, mean, he, he doesn't. That's alarming. He's one of your Hun Rupert's best friends, and your Hun Rupert made 4G make him gloves personally. Oh wow! Because he couldn't, he can't get his hand in the cup. Sure. So he has one of those little suction cups on the back of his putter because he the can't cup get is too he, small. He can't get his fing, he can't get two fingers into the cup. That's how big his fingers are. Oh, there's so many things I want to say right now. And um, then that week alone, like Dunvegan, Jigger in. Yeah. I mean. Sports stars, businessmen, TV, movie stars. But at the same time, I mean, you put that, that kind of display of people in at Riviera and it'll be this massive, you know, show, if you yeah. want to call it that. Well, in St. Andrews, no one gives a shit. Well, that's the interesting thing about Scottish golf is it's how do they make these world-class, incredible golf experiences so low-key? I mean, if you'd never been to St. Andrews before, I remember the first summer that I went, you take the wrong left turn on the one road and you're standing on 18's green. Yeah. It's the most surreal experience. I mean, it's a golf course that has been there for centuries, but at the same time, it's stood the test of time with a little bit of conditions. But like you say, it's so understated. It's so, there's no pearly gate that you drive through. There's no welcome committee when you arrive that takes your bags and, you know, puts on this massive show and here's the pro shop that you can, here's your free tee, your free ball market. It's just a tee box, 18 holes, and you finish on the 18th green. It's, there's nothing else to it. There's no, it's not, a, it's not an experience, it's golf. People that go there don't go there for the, like if you were to play Augusta or you play Pebble, it's just, you know, you get drive through the pearly gates, you get to the clubhouse, it's this huge building that, I mean, in St. Andrews, you can't even go into the clubhouse. It's the well, RNA. It's not even part of it, it's really. It's not part of the... It's, you, don't, you kind of don't even see it. No, exactly. It's just there. So you've, you've learned a lot from the game. You've, you've, yeah. you've seen it in so many different fashions and forms. You've mm -hmm. played competitively. You've played, you know, because you love it. Mm -hmm. what, what's the most important feature, right? Like, so I'm thinking, like, you know, you were talking about St. Andrews, and you go, yeah. and, like, on of a golf course, like, what, what's the most important feature that you look at, and you're like, I love that. Like, is it is it a greenskeeping thing? Is it a sight line? Is it architecture? I would say conditioning. But you could say conditioning, but you could always tell when you go to any golf course, whether it be a municipality golf course or whether it be a golf course hosting a major, by the attention to detail that the ground staff have. Because that costs nothing. Like, the way that they cut greens, 
you can see that sometimes you'll be on golf courses where they've missed the edging of the green and you're going, well, that's not time, that's not effort, that's, not, that's attention to detail. Mm. So it could be a municipality golf course, but you could have one of the most thorough greenkeepers and it'll be manicured to perfection with the budget that the greenkeeper has and that I appreciate. Like the golf course that I live in South Africa, it's 6,500 yards, residential estate. It's on how, a, what's the, what's the, you, you drive how many greens? I mean, we get close to what, five, six greens on that, on Citroen. Your, what's your, your average length of the tee right now is About like 310, 315. Really? Yeah. But what do you really expect? That some of that's with a three wood, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, we, he's like, yeah, he, he's the one. I literally just, I mean, people have asked us over the last few months like what's your strategy going into the week and I say I've got one strategy and that's I just listen to what he tells me to <laughs> <laughs> it makes my life so much easier because all I need to do is try and put it in a general vicinity it's his job to come up with strategy and that kind of right. right but when it comes to golf courses like we'll play a golf course that's this icon you know this experience where they're charging three four hundred five hundred dollars to play and I'll work onto the first green and go well I'm severely underwhelmed right now like they cut corners here there there's no attention to detail this and that where we've played golf courses around the world that are holes in the wall that no one has ever played at no one really goes at and i'm like this is brilliant like this is this is my vibe like like what what's an example yeah i mean we've played courses in south africa that like i said my home course is obviously great but then you play courses that are aren't ranked top 50 in south africa it's not a leopard creek it's not a yeah. the links at fan court it's not a gary player country club but it's just manicured to perfection and you go that's all it is because you'll know like there's if you are being sold a cup of coffee for example you don't want to go to a coffee spot where the guy doesn't greet you hi can what can i get you no can i get a cappuccino 100 percent. you want to hey man how are you today yeah 100 percent. and that's the golfing experience is not is 80 percent away from the actual golf course itself it's how you're being treated yeah like if you arrive and every, someone makes you feel like the most important person on the planet, you're automatically going to have a good day. And South African golfing culture in that regard is spectacular. Oh, good. It's such a community because it, it's somewhat small. Yeah. Every, I mean, especially like in where we are now at our status level, if you want to call it, everyone knows who you are. So they kind of treat you differently. That's why you can ask Teagues when, when we're at home, I'll never book rounds of golf because I don't want them to put on the spiel with three rounds of golf and all this kind of, because it's not, how it is. Who, who, someone else books it for you? Someone else always books. And then you just kind of show up at the last show up and <laughs> Show up five minutes before the tea time and off you, we go. You don't even hit balls. No, no. Because if you hit balls, it's like... Different uh, than they know. And Incognito. Incognito, exactly. Because then you get the actual experience. Yeah. And more often than not, I mean, we all sneak away for boys weekends in South Africa and they'll book everything out and, you know, whatever the case may be. And they look after my mates so well. And then I'll go inside and, hi oh, guys, listen, thank you for taking such good care of. No, 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 we, we'll, we'll comp you around, you know, we'll give it to you for free. I said, don't want it for free. Yeah. Yokes have made my, my mate who's a pharmacist feel like Tiger Woods in the last 15 minutes. So he's, he'll be happy to pay the $10 that it's going to cost for a round with a golf cart. Right. And that, that experience being treated special, but normal at the same time is what I value the most in golf, honestly. I love that you said that because that's really for me like the the thing that can really make or break the game i think in a big way yeah. is that right like 100%. we don't it's like when you go to a restaurant I, I will really only go back to i don't care how good the food is if you treat it well 
if I'm not treated nicely, if, I, if I'm not welcomed, 100%. I'm like, what am I doing here? I can, 100%. I'd rather like go eat chips. I'd rather just pick up something on the way home and yeah. sit at home. Yeah. Because at least I'm going to treat myself nicely at home. Yeah, it's definitely like, um, it's a strange thing, you know? And it's like, I feel like in some sense, golf is uniquely suffering from that problem. Yeah, it's kind of, the, the, I think the problem that we've gone or the route that we've gone down now with these ultra private, ultra high end, $150,000, $200,000 golf clubs is that it takes away the emphasis of golf's a numbers game. Like the more people that are playing golf, the better the industry does, the more money golf clubs make, the happier, the more that they can pay their staff and everyone, that, like that cycle that we're talking about. Whereas, I mean, I'm a member of a golf club in, in London that's, you know, ultra private, and so on and so forth but i have Wentworth? more uh Which queenwood oh, okay i don't know uh, it's just down the road from wentworth and it, that's why you don't know about it it's kind of like one of those chill, chill places yeah. exactly but like people often ask me do i play golf when i get home i love playing golf when i go home because i play with my mates social rounds with pharmacists cricketers whatever the case would be because that's more enjoyable to me than professional golf right because they i actually get to give sledge them a little bit and give them a little bit of shit and you know kind of a little bit of banter. Right. And it's just proof that golf doesn't need a five-star Pebble Beach experience to be fun. Yeah. I mean, you What does I, it need to be fun? Just good people. Good people, good service, good banter, off you go. Who you're playing with? 100%. Like, I remember, I mean, the first time that we saw each other was like three, four years ago. And you, yeah. we, we played and you were telling me about this random golf club and how you just have these meetups where random people come and join you for it. And I was like, that's so dope. Like, I could do that. Yeah. Like, I would love to do that because, you know, get the carry bag on the shoulder, maybe leave a few clubs out to save some weight and you go and you meet some new people. I would, we should do that. We should plan that I mean, when you're back home. I mean, bro, like, I mean, Tiggs and I, we, we golf nuts. Yeah. I mean, we're very fortunate that our profession and we make money out of it. But at the same time, golf is fucking awesome. Like, excuse my French, it, it honestly is. Like no other sport. I mean, I play golf still with my father who is 56 and my grandfather who's 74 and I'm yet to take $10 off of them. What other sport can you do that? <laughs> like, you're not going to be, if, you, if I go onto the NBA court here, the Longmans facility and I come up against a six foot eight, 110 kilogram monster, I'm not gonna be scoring many points. Yeah. However, I can take him onto the golf course and batter him left, right and center. Yeah. And golf is so unique in that regard because now you can, and I don't feel like we're capitalizing on that as much as we could. Like random golf clubs avenue of thought and their way of going about things is how it should be in more places because it's all going well playing with your own mates every Saturday at 8.15 and off you go. But you, you, like we've often said, you learn more about someone in five hours on the golf course than you do in 20 years of business. That's the God honest truth. And who knows, you might meet someone on the first tee in a pickup game. Listen, might I join you? He might be, in my example, he might be a guy from a company that's just started launching in whatever, in Austin here, and he's looking for something to exposed you chat for 15 20 minutes and all of a sudden he's going listen mate i'll pay you twenty thousand dollars a year to get a bag with my logo on yeah you're not going to do that playing with your mates no 
But at the same time, you might get to know this guy. And he's like, listen, he's planning on a golf trip to South Africa. Any recommendations? And put him in contact. And you make this guy's day yeah. by setting up rounds of golf at golf courses that he probably might not have been able to get onto. Yeah. It's things like that. And golf is the ultimate opportunity for networking. Yeah. It's, it's the pyramid scheme of sports. Well, and networking is like, in, in that sense, it's almost like networking is like, it's, it's like, it's the perfect sport for just being a part of a community in exactly. some way. It's a right? com- golfing, the golfing fraternity is the biggest community on the planet. Yeah. Because it's not limited by language, it's not limited by race, and it's not limited by skill level. Yeah. There's no other sport in the world where it's like that. That's true. So I could go to Kenya, for example, this week on the European tour and play with a gent who's played on the Kenyan tour for the last 15 years and he can beat me. Right. Where there's no other sport that a guy that has less opportunity and is from the middle of Africa, you know, he's never traveled anywhere where you could do that. Like a guy that's played in the Kenyan football league, for example, or soccer league, for example, is not going to be able to beat Cristiano Ronaldo one-on-one. Right. It's just, whereas golf, on any given day, any person can beat anyone. But at the same time, I might go and play around a golf with a guy who's been on the Kenyan tour and make a friendship that will last 30 years. Yeah. Because hell, this guy is just beating me. I'm top 100 player in the world and I've just got absolutely, he's mopped the floor with me. And you're going, yeah. okay, cool. Well, that's pretty dope. And That is crazy. No, no, where else can you do that? Yeah, no, nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah, like, like we were saying, the South African community is so small. Like in South Africa, we have a population of just over 60 million people. I think there's only 150,000 golfers. I mean, like our, over the past few years, we've had success, Tegan and I together, that I document very well because I see, I try to try to quantify in words how valuable Tegan is to me because it's a relationship. I mean, I spend more time with Tegan than I do with my wife, honest. Like, and I try to give him as much credit as he can, as I can, because his value to me is in, like invaluable. So because I give so much exposure to Tegan and to myself, our, I wouldn't say we're not famous. It's, it's just a case of people know who you are now. Mm-hmm. And South Africa is such a major sporting country that the moment that you get any sort of status, you're kind of your, the energy around you shifts. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing for us is that we're still two kids from Pretoria. Like we, two Oaks that just love playing golf. We love talking crap, love drinking coffee. And that's just how it is. Yeah. And like Tegan, like the amount of times that I've, that I go out now is a lot less than what I used to because it's, it's, it's not as much fun. Whereas I much enjoy going to someone's house with my mates. You know, we have a, a barbecue or a braai and that's, that's my perfect evening now. Right. And it, it does change and I'm not nearly at the level of some guys like Louis and Shoal and Ernie. I mean, never mind the fact that guys like Tiger that have lived with it for 30 years. And you know, kudos to those folks for being able to do what they do because it's not easy at times. And the spotlight is somewhat draining at times, especially when you're struggling because it's very easy for any journalist to write a neg- negative article about performances. Let's just be brutally honest about that. Um, whereas the only constant in my occupation is my relationships with the team around me and my friends. 
and I'm very fortunate to travel the world with one of my best mates. We talk absolute crap. We play Call of Duty in the evenings on gaming PCs and we drink coffee in the mornings and that's just it. I mean, this afternoon we're going to go play nine holes where he's going to try and beat me with my own clubs like he does every time that we get any time off. I mean... Where are you going to play? UT Golf Club. Sick. So we're going to go out there. We're going to have banter. We're going to probably cause a little bit of rustle and bustle between the two of us. And if he beats me, I'll never hear the end of it. But if I beat him, it's swept under the rug like nothing ever happened today. And that, that relationship... I mean, you look at guys apart from us, Tommy Fleetwood and Finno. I mean, their relationship, it goes beyond golf. And again, that's something, I mean, can you imagine the bat boy for the Houston Astros having a personal relationship with their lead hitter? Right. No. Same thing. Golf's just so unique in that regard. Well, you're a two-person team. You say that, but it's more, eh? You, I mean, you, you, from the moment you stand on the first tee box until you walk with 18th green, you're two-man team. But all the time around that, there are so many fine little cogs in the machine that contribute to the success of the team. Like my wife is part of the team, Gavin, my trainer is part of the team, uh, Duncan, who I have as a life coach back in South Africa, just to keep my head on straight. All these guys are part of the team, your family's part of your team. If, and golf is so unique in the fact that if you have one of those cogs out of place, the machine doesn't work. And it's been so evident over so many years where there's been one little thing niggling with a player and his game falls apart. Yeah. So for you to, part, to perform at the absolute best, every little section within that team has got to be perfect. Right. And that's been something that's been so difficult within the bubble because you haven't had access to your, your team. Right. But at the same time, in instances like in concession where we had the team, it was so refreshing and you can feel the value with having everyone around you that it just validates having those people in your circle. Yeah. And it's, it's so unique in the regard that people think it's just you, a golf ball, a club, and a flag. But the professional game is just not that. You have your team, you have your people. And without those people, without the people around me, I would not be where I am today, fact. fact. That's just, yeah. I mean, at the end of 2020, I was ranked 200 and something in the world and had no, plans of coming to America at all. I was going to be playing every week in Europe and that was going to be the end of it. Fast forward to the third week in January, finishing second in Dubai. I'm top 100 in the world. I'm flying to America for the WGC. I'm now sitting in Austin chatting to you before going to Houston next week for, or San Antonio rather, for the Monday qualifier for the Valero. And who knows, you could win next week and get into Augusta. And we we're talking about four months that your entire life can shift and that happens every year. Yeah. It's like, it's like the idea that one shot is just one shot. Doesn't exist. It's just the broadest, every shot, every decision, every club pull, every read of a putt means so much, but at the same time, you have to downplay it every single time. It's just another putt, it's just another shot, it's just another, and listen, there's a reason why most professional golfers, when they hit 40, are absolute head cases. <laughs> listen, I mean, social golfers want to hang themselves by, the, by towels in the locker room after a bad day. Can you imagine doing it for a living and having to do that every day? And it's so, it's so frustrating for 
85 to 90% of the time, but that 10% when it comes off is euphoria. That's gotta be, that's just gotta be what you live for. Exactly. The, how I felt the Friday afternoon after Abu Dhabi, after fatting a weight shot from 50 yards and missing a cut from being in prime position, versus the feeling on Sunday evening in Dubai, having just finished second and pocketed 300 or 200,000 US. I mean, we're talking about a seven day time window that I've shifted from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. What other sport, what other occupation, what other job can you do that? And, and, and I guess going back to the, the story about Tegan and your wife and everybody that you're with, yes, but also like, if you were on a football team and you won, you're just part of the team. But here it's like you're the lead singer and you're kind of like the person loading the gear into the truck. Exactly. Professional golfers are a traveling circus. In fact, we all get up on the same planes to fly to the same towns, to play the same golf courses against each other, and then we do that every week, like a circus. But what's unique to us is we get to pick the clowns are around us. <laughs> it's probably the you're most- a, You're a clown recruiting agency. 100%, clown recruiting agency, you know? <laughs> Uh, and Tegan's like, this is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just true. It's just so valid. And it's you, you the CEO, but at the same time, you're still a clown. Yeah. And you still have to do the hard miles and you still have to go and graft away. But the biggest thing and the biggest difference or the biggest thing or most valuable thing to me is that I have to enjoy the travel aspect of life on tour. Yeah. And having some clowns around you makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's so much, even for our work, right? There's, there's yeah. it's a lot of it is real work. And then a lot of it is sort of like, all right, we need to work at like enjoying this. The best content you guys will ever make is the content that you enjoy. Exactly. If you have to do something, you're not going to enjoy it. And it's not going to be good. People aren't going to watch it. People don't enjoy it. Then they're going to see right through it. Well, I mean, I could argue Break 90 does argue against that because I hate filming Break 90s, but... Break 90s are world class. I mean, there's some people, my trainer, Gavin, is a six handicap. I guarantee you won't break 90. Oh, let's see it. Yo, you will be sensitive about that comment. <laughs> I expect the prompt <laughs> message when this goes to air. Oh, my word. Um, let's finish this up. I feel like, do you, how deep do you get into your coffee science? Uh, I just trust my clowns to find good spots. I mean, oh, so because coffee for you is, a, is more about like social aspect. tourism and social aspect. I like, like I said to you earlier, I started collecting t-shirts here in America because for some reason, every coffee house in America sells merch. What do you mean t-shirts? Like I bought a little t-shirt. You got a t-shirt from, uh, from oh my gosh, from, from Fleet. Fleet. Yeah. And yesterday we went to another coffee spot in town and bought another t-shirt. And that's the door. That's well, the door, yeah. That's literally where we, that was where we ordered the coffee. Sorry. That's the door. I love that. So, so this is, so you buy t-shirts from every coffee shop. Well, America, we, when we started traveling, a few weeks back, I mean, we flew into Miami and we started traveling a little bit here and there. And something that's so unique to America is every coffee spot sells merch. Mm -hmm. And I didn't I, even notice that. Yeah, like yeah. nowhere around the world do you ever buy a t-shirt at a coffee spot. That you, you can choose, you can get coffee or you can get coffee beans. That's, that's the extent yeah. of your experience. Yeah, you can get a shirt. Yeah, you can get a t-shirt. Nothing to do with coffee. Nothing to do with coffee. And 90% of the time, the logos are so dope. Right. So yesterday, actually funny enough, we went to a coffee spot and we were like, okay, cool. Well physical t-shirt and I bought one. I was like, that's such a unique little touristy thing that I'm gonna start doing while we're in the States. Every so coffee is a new thing. New thing, 100%, started yesterday. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. And 
because it's all good and well, you know, having a Lululemon t-shirt or having an Under Armour t-shirt, but if you can have a t-shirt from a coffee spot in Austin that's on the east side that I can guarantee you 99% of people that are awesome haven't been to, you go, oh, that's, that's pretty dope. Like, yeah. that, that's something. Do you think you'll have like in your closet, there'll be like a, a, a coffee bar, like a coffee area? I, for... think, I think in our, in our closet, I think if I were to mention collecting another set of clothing, my wife might just lose it because she's just, we renovated in the house in South Africa and she's had to pack up all my clothing and she asks how one human being can have so many t-shirts. It's, yeah, I mean. Never mind the golf set, I just collect t-shirts and I'm from sports teams to university logos to bits and bobs here and there. How many golf shirts do you think you have? Well, I clean out every year. Oh, really? Yeah. What do you do with them? Uh, mostly give them to like the caddies right. back in South Africa. Yeah. So the caddies usually around January, February, come walking by the house a lot slower. And they, you know, when they walk past to go to the golf course, they're like uh, trying to check if Stone. I'm home. Stone. Exactly. Uh, all of our mates, even though they're not my same size, come by the house and go to town. Right. Uh, okay, so quick question. What do you think, what is this logo? What do you think this is? Do you know what this is? Looks like the coffee strainer. Um, what is it? The, oh, grinder. No. Um, Filter coffee, the pour over? run through, run through. Margarita with a good background. I thought it looked kind of like a bicycle. I guess if you turn it upside down, it could be a person yeah, actually, with that's long cool. hair. I think it's pretty dope. I think you're right though. I think it is the grinder. Like I think just you put the, the beans in it. Yeah. And then... Into the, oh, who knows, it's dope. Yo, you're an animal, dude. I'm really <laughs> glad we got to spend some time together. It's been long overdue. Yeah, I agree. Um, thank you for joining. Thank you.